Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Markets. This is indeed Bloomberg Markets. Corey Johnson here on the West Coast. Oliver Rennick sitting in for Carol Masser back on the East Coast. And Oliver, uh, coming up, we're going to continue to look at the uh, the markets and maybe the role the Fed is playing in the bond market. I like it. You guys got a markets-heavy schedule for me. Going to think about the Fed. Going to think about that balance sheet. Plenty more. And then uh, also eventually making it on to uh, global markets overall with one of my favorite guys from PNC. But first, let's get the very latest... Charlie Pellet is looking at uh, data check and business news headlines. All right. I thank you very much. We are looking at a down day here, 29 minutes to go ahead of the close on this Back to Work Tuesday with the S&P lower by two points at 24.13. That is a drop of one-tenth of one percent. NASDAQ down five to 62.05, also a drop of one-tenth of one percent. Should mention, though, that the NASDAQ 100 is up today, up by one-tenth of one percent. It is also trading at a record. Dow Industrial falling 40 points down, two-tenths of one percent. Right now, we have got the 10-year up 11.30 seconds at yield, 2.21 percent. Gold down 6.30 the ounce to 12.61, down five-tenths of one percent. And crude oil, West Texas Intermediate, down 22 cents a barrel, 49.58 on WTI. That is a drop of four-tenths of one percent. Ryanair is putting expansion ahead of profit as it bets it can add more planes and win a fair war with struggling rivals. Here's Ryanair CEO Michael O'Leary, who stopped by Bloomberg World Headquarters today to talk about the quarter and the events that happened over the weekend with British Airways at Catwick and Heathrow. From our point of view, but like we operate because we're at the lowest, at the low price end. Our load factor is 94%. It's a world record high. And, you know, so we think it will maintain it at 94%. Frankly, people are moving around to get our cheap fares. And, you know, events like what happened befell BA at Heathrow and Gatwick over the weekend can only be good for our business. You know, we are, our airline is about four times larger than BA and we don't expect to have the kind of IT issues that they struggled with over the weekend. I mean, you have to wonder where their disaster recovery program was. And Ryanair shares, they're flying higher now by 2.4%. Amazon broke above $1,000 on an intraday basis today before pulling back. Amazon now at 997.93. It is higher by two tenths of 1%. Gold down 640 the ounce, down five tenths of 1%. And recapping on the S&P lower by by two points to 24.14, a drop there of one-tenth of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Charlie Pellet, thank you very much. This is Bloomberg. Summertime, still in May and go away. What does it mean for the bond market? What does it mean when the Fed is looking at hiking rates? Putri Pascali joins us right now, the managing director and partner at PAMCO. And, uh, uh, Pucci, uh, t- tell me, when you look at the Fed's action, where do you see it in the bond market most uh, pronouncedly? So I think recent Fed action, um, you know, points to a measured and gradual move out of their balance sheet. And there are some concerns about what this means for risk assets, specifically the bond market. But I think there are reasons why the next meltdown, so to speak, at least the one that's Fed-triggered, is unlikely. Uh, number one is that the fundamentals on the issuer uh, level are good, that EBITDA has been improving. And if you look at leverage numbers, um, it actually le- – uh, gross leverage is going down. And, yes, it's true 
that the numerator and that the, the cost of serving the debt, the, the, the debt is going up, but the denominator is going up faster. So that's a positive. Uh, number two is that wage inflation remains, you know, well in control, although unemployment numbers are good. So that's good for issuers. Uh, number three is that we're seeing from a technical perspective, uh, the Fed repeatedly in their minutes mentioned the word gradual. Uh, there's a phrase that they use, gradual and predictable, that I think points to an orderly unwind of the Fed balance sheet. So I think all three um you know, points to generally things staying, staying pretty steady in the bond market. Uh, that's not to say valuation is overwhelmingly cheap, but, you know, I think from this end of the table, I'm not seeing anything that portends disaster either. Mm. Putri, I wonder uh, when we're looking at the uh, tools by which one assesses the impact of a balance sheet unwind versus the threat that was kind of looming the years prior, which was any type of rate hikes or the rate hike path. Do we both view them as sort of the same mean, uh, mean, different means to the same end, or do you have to take on a different set of tools to assess the outcome? Uh, I think that there are different tools. Uh, so there's, uh, when it comes to the tightening path, there's, uh, outright rate hike and there's balance sheet unwind. The first is seen as more hawkish. The latter is seen as more dovish. Um, it seems that June rate hike might already be in the books, uh, well communicated and priced in. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen post June. Uh, but I think the introduction of unwind of balance sheet gives the Fed, uh, a, a smaller, perhaps a gentler path, if you will, towards continuing on the tightening path that's not as uh, dramatic or drastic as an outright rate hike. Does that What does that do for you in terms of uh, the choices you're making, what to invest in? Are you willing to go further out in the risk curve? Uh, we remain uh, pretty – I think we, we have been somewhat cautious about the, the interest rate uh, risk. I think the risk is lower now. But we remain pretty cautious. So the answer is no, going out the curve. Um, in terms of credit risk, uh, I think the the first asset, if the Fed does uh, go ahead on an unwind uh, and sooner rather than later, uh, the first asset that's likely to see the impact of spread widening is, you know, mortgage-backed securities. Uh, it remains to be seen uh, if the spread widening will uh have a contagion effect, if you will, to other areas such as corporate credit. So far, the market responded to the news of balance sheet unwind with uh, a collective shrug, if you will. But that doesn't mean that uh, we're not carefully watching. Until then, uh, we keep our, our exposure to the credit market pretty steady. I wonder if it's a um, logical sort of fallacy or trap for investors to speculate on the Fed and think about balance sheet unwind as sort of uh, additive uh, becoming equal to a rate hike. And, and by that, I mean, I've been starting to hear people throw out uh, expectations saying, okay, well, maybe the Fed won't hike rates, but maybe it'll be more clear about easing of the balance sheet, or maybe we'll get more details on the timing and the degree of the balance sheet unwind. Is it wrong to think about that technique as a replacement to outright hikes? Uh, I think that's something that they definitely you definitely have to consider as an investor, uh, specifically because the Fed the Fed might do a little bit of both. Um, but I you know read the discussion on balance sheet unwind as just another lever on the Fed's 
toolkit. Uh, it may not be a complete replacement. It may not be comp- one or the other, if you will. It's not, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, but the Fed might decide to go slower on a rate hike path um, and decide to uh, tighten the balance sheet and wine instead. Hmm. Uh, well, well, certainly interesting times, and, 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 and Oliver, I think you're right to point out there could be some different tools uh, at their disposal. Putri Pasquale, the uh, Managing Director and Partner at PAMCO. Glad to have you on. You listen to Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio. This is Bloomberg. This is Nathan Hager right now with a look at some world of national news headlines. He's in our 99.1 studios in Washington, D.C. All right, thanks, Corey. The White House is pushing back somewhat. It reports President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, tried to set up a communications back channel with Russia during the transition. In his first news conference since the president's overseas trip, spokesman Sean Spicer claimed many of the reports about the Russia investigations are, in his words, fake news. When you see stories uh, get perpetrated that are absolutely false, that are not based in fact, that is troubling. And he's rightly concerned. Meantime, the House Intelligence Committee has issued a subpoena to President Trump's personal lawyer, Michael Cohen, as part of its Russia investigation. Cohen was a frequent cable surrogate for Trump during the campaign. Cohen tells ABC News he turned down requests from the House and Senate Intel Committees for information about his Russia contacts. The FBI is shifting its information technology focus to cybersecurity. For evidence, need look no further than spending on government contracts at the Bureau. A Bloomberg government analysis shows spending on cybersecurity jumped 18% from fiscal 15 to 16, while overall IT spending fell 14%. BGov senior data analyst Paul Murphy says this isn't just a one-time blip, judging by the FBI's recent budget request. Based on their $85 million plus up in the share of contract spending that we can measure as part of that budget, I'm guessing there's there's probably uh, about another eight or nine million dollars uh, going on contract for cyber at the FBI uh, for this coming year. Global News 24 hours a day powered by more than 2,600 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. This is Bloomberg. 